Christ is risen from the dead, by death trampling death, and to those in the tombs granting life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You may be seated. A blessed Easter to you this morning. So glad that you are with us today on this most glorious of days. The sermon will be camping out in John 20. Uh, my uh, sermon won't be on this, but I have to comment on it. I think wonderful chapter in John, brilliant book. But it always strikes me as funny that John makes a point to let the whole world know forever that he was a faster runner than, than Peter. I beat him to the tomb. I outran him. In John 20, a portion of which you just heard, in the span of a mere 19 verses, the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is the Apostle John, tells the reader twice that Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week, the day we call Sunday. Numbers and days are significant in John. He's not just being a good journalist and making sure we get all the details. It's intentional. And what John does with numbers and days is he's trying to draw our attention back to the book of Genesis, specifically back to the story of creation that God made heaven and earth. So it would be no misnomer for the Gospel of John to be called a reboot of Genesis. You know, we have all these reboots all the time. We keep rebooting Batman and Superman and all these things. You could call the Gospel of John Genesis Part 2 because underneath the narrative of John's Gospel is the story of creation. So throughout the book, John is making the connection that Jesus' ministry, that Jesus' death, that Jesus' bodily resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus was not a spiritual experience in the minds and hearts of the disciples. The resurrection is not Jesus going up to disembodied platonic heaven. It's Jesus having transfigured human nature and human flesh, bodily raising from the dead. So he's making this connection that Jesus' ministry, his death, his resurrection, are works of new creation, works of new Genesis. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What does that sound like? It sounds like Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And by what means did the Father create the world? He created the world by His Word. Capital W. That is, by the person of the Son. Jesus is the agent of creation. What does Scripture say? That through Him... All things were made. And Jesus is, as we're celebrating this morning, the agent of new creation. For through him, all things were remade and renewed and redeemed by taking upon himself a complete 
human nature. By taking upon himself universal human nature, he healed human nature. Human beings are unique creatures in the universe. We were created in the image of God in order that we might be united with God. That we might be, as St. Peter says, partakers of the divine nature. That God brings human beings, his desire for it is to bring us right into the middle of the Trinitarian life. Not that we become God by nature, or we're added to the Godhead, but that we participate in a real way in who God is, a real union of man and God, which is made possible in and through Jesus Christ. So we're made in the image of God, but on account of our first representative head, Adam, we can't blame Adam and Eve because we've all willingly participated in the fall. But on account of sin, mankind was alienated from God, made subject to corruption and death. But the gospel, the good news is that Christ, by his incarnation, death, and resurrection, has made it possible for us to attain to the end for which we were created. Jesus Christ is risen. Jesus Christ has conquered death, and therefore, he has conquered sin. If he's conquered death, then we know that he's conquered sin. How? Because the wages of sin is death. And so Jesus has conquered death, therefore we know that he has conquered the sin which leads to death by his death, on the cross. The resurrection proves that Calvary, that the death of Jesus, which externally looked like an ignominious defeat, was in fact Christ's glorious victory over sin, over Satan, over death. All that to say, the Apostle John is brilliantly telling one story by retelling and echoing another. And this retelling of Genesis is going on not just in the prologue of John, but throughout the whole book. So keeping that in mind, let's briefly look at today's gospel. John chapter 20, verse 1. Again, it says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Again, the resurrection took place on the first day of the week. It took place on what is called the eighth day. That is the first day of the new week, the first day of the new creation. This is the first day of God's new world, the age to come, as it's called in Holy Scripture. A world that's not gripped by death, but permeated by the very life of God himself. One where we can have peace with God by the blood of Jesus Christ, and we can have the hope of our own blessed resurrection at the end of the age. That's part of Paul's argument in 1 Corinthians 15. 
is that Jesus' own resurrection is the preview and the guarantee of our resurrection at the end of the age. We know that God's children will be raised up bodily, transfigured bodies. There's continuity between the body you now have and the body that you will have in the eschaton, in the last day, when Jesus comes again to judge the living and the dead. And we know that we will be raised up because God, the Father, by the Spirit, raised the Son of God on that first Easter morning. It's the anchor of our hope. If we don't have the resurrection, what does Paul say? We're, we're men, women most to be pitied. We have no hope. You die and that's it. But Jesus Christ is risen on the first day of the new week. John notes also that it was early in the morning, that it was still dark. Again, these are not extraneous journalistic details. He's not just trying to get his word count or his page count to get it to his publisher. Genesis 1, 2, and 3. The earth was without form and void, and what does it say? And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So while it was still dark, Jesus, who is the light of the world, shone out of the tomb. His rising in glory was the dawn of a new age. And not a new age in a weird sort of Barnes and Noble crystals and Bikram yoga sort of way. But of the age to come. In him was life and his life is the light of men. Also in John 20. Mary Magdalene stands weeping at the tomb. And she sees the risen Jesus. She doesn't recognize him. And who does she suppose him to be? I'll say she supposes him to be the gardener. Because she wasn't 100% wrong. Because a gardener, he is. Jesus is the creator and steward of the new Eden. It began in a garden, and it began again in a garden. And in the resurrection, in the new garden of Eden, the seed of the woman, prophesied all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, crushes the serpent under his heel. The second Adam, the last Adam, has defeated the sin and death to which Adam and Eve and all of us were enslaved. I'm going to close with a portion of an oration on Easter by St. Gregory of Nazianzus, also known as St. Gregory the Theologian, which exalts in all that Jesus accomplished on our behalf by his death and resurrection and exhorts us to take up by the Spirit the resurrected life here and now today. Yesterday, I was crucified with him. 
Today, I am glorified with him. Yesterday, I died with him. Today, I am made alive with him. Yesterday, I was buried with him. Today, I am raised up with him. Let us offer to him who suffered and rose again for us ourselves the possession most precious to God and most proper. Let us become like Christ since Christ became like us. Let us become divine for his sake since for us he became man. He assumed the worse that he might give us the better. He became poor that by his poverty we might become rich. He accepted the form of a servant that we might win back our freedom. He came down that we might be lifted up. He was tempted that through him we might conquer. He was dishonored that he might glorify us. He died that he might save us. He ascended that he might draw to himself us who were thrown down through the fall of sin. Let us give all, offer all, to him who gave himself a ransom and reconciliation for us. We need an incarnate God, a God put to death that we might live. We were to put death together with him that we might be cleansed. We rose again with him because we were put to death with him. We were glorified with him because we rose again with him. A few drops of blood recreate the whole of creation.